This special episode of IT Visionaries was recorded live at MuleSoft Connect in San Francisco, where guest host Vidya Peters, the CMO of MuleSoft, connected with Frank Liberio, the former CIO of McDonald's. Together, they talk about the process of bringing McDonald's through a complete digital transformation and the importance of APIs, and they touch on so much more. I hope you enjoy this special episode. This podcast is sponsored by the Salesforce platform, the low-code app development platform that empowers anyone to easily build, publish, and manage AI-powered mobile-ready apps for employees and for customers. In this mini-series on all things integration, we are excited to partner with MuleSoft, the number one platform for APIs and integration. With Salesforce and MuleSoft, every business can unlock new connected experiences and drive digital transformation by connecting any app, data, or device. Learn more at mulesoft.com about. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Vidya Peters, the Chief Marketing Officer at MuleSoft. I'm recording live from MuleSoft's Connect event here in San Francisco, where CIOs, business leaders, and developers from around the world have gathered to learn more about the strategic value of APIs, integration, and application networks. With me today, I have Frank Liberio, the former CIO of McDonald's. It's a privilege to have you with me, Frank. Oh, thanks, Vidya. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. Um, I love that you have been here on the main stage at San Francisco Connect telling us a little bit about your work at McDonald's digitally transforming their customer experience. What does digital transformation mean to you in the course of the work that you've done at McDonald's? It's such a commonly used word now, thrown away with so much ease. Tell us a little bit about what that has meant to you and McDonald's. You know, for us, it was finally having a one-to-one relationship with our customers. So for the entire existence of McDonald's, we really didn't know who our customers were. Uh, We have a lot of them. Uh, You know, they come in every day around the world in 120 countries, uh, but we never knew exactly who they were or what they bought and honestly how to incent them to buy more or come more often. Uh, So the digital channel finally gave us that opportunity to have a one-to-one relationship with our customers and really know who they are, what they like and don't like, uh, and really, you know, develop that relationship with them that we've never had. Uh, So for McDonald's, it was, you know, moving from brick and mortar uh, and anonymous customers to now a digital channel where we actually know who they are and uh, can have a relationship with them. I love that change because IT has typically been considered a back office function. And you think of a lot of IT departments, you know, over the last couple of decades, receiving projects and turning the crank on them and delivering them. But the experience you're talking about is very front office, uh, very much at the tip of the sphere in terms of strategy and customer experience. Tell us a little bit about how you made that transition from back office to front office and how you shifted IT from being considered a cost center to a strategic thought partner. Yeah, it's been a long journey. So I, I think for, for those of us who've been in the industry for a while, uh, we've seen it evolve uh, slowly over time. I started out in consulting and many of my early days was really just trying to drive efficiencies into organizations through the enablement of technology. So it was, you know, a cost center uh, trying to better enable the business. Uh, when I came to McDonald's, one of my early projects, uh, you'd be surprised to hear, was the ability to take credit cards at McDonald's. Uh, so it was back in 2002. Uh, McDonald's was still an all cash business. Uh, so they, they gave me this project and said, hey, this is, a, you know, we've tried to do this a few times. We don't ever seem to get it past the goal line. Uh, Frank, can you work with the team and try to, you know, get cashless acceptance across our, uh, at that point, I think it was 12,000 locations. And we, we were able to do it. It took about a year and a half. Uh, but what we found happening is when credit cards were being used, the average ticket actually increased substantially from a cash transaction. So it was the first time, uh, I think, in McDonald's history where a technology 
actually drove sales. And I think it, it, a light bulb went on, you know, of course, clearly for all of the technologists, but also for the leadership at McDonald's where they said, wow, you know, technology could actually drive sales for us. Uh, and it's been just improving ever since then. That is such a cool story because there's a common thread between what happened in 2002 to 2015 when you then started the next uh, digital transformation effort that looked at delivery models and using APIs to do that. Can you tell us again about how technology helped increase revenue per customer, but also increasing the number of customers that came to McDonald's? Yeah, I mean, we were uh, fighting a new competitor that we had never uh interacted with before, and it was the food aggregators. So it was the Grubhubs, the Uber Eats, the DoorDashes of the world, and they were popping up everywhere. So literally across the world, uh, these folks were quickly coming up to speed and, you know, they're digital natives, right? So they just really need an app, uh, a restaurant to integrate to and some sort of delivery service. And now they could compete with McDonald's on a global scale. So it was a change that we had never envisioned happening and almost took us a little while to understand. So we almost had to build that digital channel first to have that 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 relationship with consumers uh, and then from there quickly then compete with those food aggregators to do home delivery um, so it was it was a reactive uh, move for us to fight a competitor but in fact then it wound up being very proactive for us now to continue to build on that channel uh, to drive sales even more uh, and it worked so the sales at McDonald's uh, we were kind of flat from 2012 to 15 uh, but from 2016 on now our quarterly comp sales have been positive for almost three years now. That's incredible in a space that has been increasingly more competitive with increasing pressure and where frankly a lot of your competitors have been closing outlets rather than growing them. Yeah, no, the, the share is not, the pie isn't growing. So if you're going to, if you're going to get more share, you kind of got to steal it in this industry. Now, digitizing the customer experience, making those innovations happen, feel like a very large scale project. What's your advice to CIOs on how to select the first project they start with? Um, should they start small and sort of fail fast and go from there? Or would you recommend starting with something meaty that has bigger impact to show proof of concept? Yeah, I mean, in the digital transformation space, as you're building that first channel out to customers, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, right? Because generally, you're probably in the analog world today and you don't have the talent or expertise to quickly go from analog to digital, unless you bring in third parties, right? So third party partners are a big advantage in this space. Uh, but what we found is that at McDonald's, we actually did two or three different proof of concepts with the app. And some were just to test, could we technologically do it? Like, how do we build integrations into the back end? Uh, how do we then host an app and get an order back into the kitchen seamlessly? Uh, so there were a couple of technology tests. And then we actually started testing the functionality of the app. And honestly, we were terrible at it. So the, we did focus groups on our app. And uh, our first versions of it, we just uh, we actually just replicated the POS system. Uh, so it was kind of like the crew person taking an order, we thought, hey, customers can do the same thing. And our app looked like a POS system. So it was terrible. Uh, and then we finally, you know, you learn. So I would start with some proof of concepts and pilots uh, if you've never done it before, because there is a fairly significant learning curve. I can't imagine operating a POS system. So thank you for changing the <laughs> McDonald's app. It's super intuitive and easy oh, now to good. use. Good, good. Awesome. Yeah, we got a lot of help. So what do you think are some of the key hurdles that you've seen in these projects? We, we talked a little bit about customer experience and testing those. From a technology perspective, as you're setting up the APIs, as you're setting up maybe an internal exchange or directory uh, of APIs that teams can reuse, what did you see were the key hurdles to either designing the program or getting the program to be adopted? 
Yeah. So there's a lot of them. Uh, so honestly, um, it's getting your team trained up on how to use these new tools. Uh, so they've, they understand them, right? They're all technologists and they can read about them, but reading about them and effectively using them is very different. Uh, so the first big hurdle is really having them understand how to use the tool uh, and then effectively reuse, right? So especially in the MuleSoft case, you're not going to get the value unless you reuse those APIs. Um, so we actually brought in, once again, we brought in a third-party company who had already been trained up and was a partner to MuleSoft. Uh, they quickly started writing our APIs, but also then started training our staff on how to do it. Uh, next, I think you don't understand the demand that's coming at you. So, you know, as you start building these channels, just all of these ideas come in in terms of, as I said, once the channel's open, there's so many ways where you can leverage it. Uh, so now the demand for extra capabilities becomes exponential. So now you're looking for ways to go faster. Uh, so now you're thinking about moving to agile and to DevOps and then really transform how you do your development cycle. Moving away from waterfall into agile is yet another transition the team has to go through. So they're, they're working with a whole new architecture and then you quickly ask them to work in a whole new development method. Methodology. Uh, so it's kind of, let's like a double whammy of change coming at them. And you just got to give them help. You got to give them training. You got to give them coaches and third parties to, that have done it before uh, to really make it easier for them. So, yes, a lot of hurdles, unfortunately. Now, that's particularly challenging to do for a company the size and scale of McDonald's. And I can only imagine that it's hard for you to single handedly do that. Who were some of the internal stakeholders or champions? that you brought on board to help evangelize reuse and self-service and creating this new mindset and culture? And how did you go about getting them on board? So we didn't really have a strong digital or even a strong data team, uh, you know, because previously in the brick and mortar world, you didn't really need consumer facing abilities uh, or the ability to create a digital channel. So we had to bring in a whole bunch of new leaders and then teams underneath them. Um, so they started kind of sharing their knowledge with the rest of the, the team and you would think that was a good thing. Uh, but in fact, in the early days, it wasn't very well received. So you because you had a group of folks who were expert at restaurant technology uh, who did great work. Uh, and all of a sudden, these new folks are telling them how to do things differently. Uh, so there was almost this pairing up or uh, an integration or alignment between the new digital and data resources with the then existing, you know, kind of experts in how to run restaurant systems. And once you paired them together, it got incredibly compelling. Uh, but it was that process you had to go through to integrate the two together. Uh, and then separately, uh, McDonald's made the investment in bring, bringing in a whole new digital team, not a digital IT team that was under me, uh, but a digital team who really was focused on, you know, the, the UX and kind of helping us think differently about how to interact with the consumer in a seamless way. Because uh, remember, our first our first version of this was just the POS system on a mobile phone. Uh, so we definitely needed help and the digital team uh, helped provide that. Now, the culture of self-serve and reuse makes so much sense, but I also know that it's one thing to desire that people will reuse existing APIs. It's a whole nother battle to actually get them to do it. And so early on, how did you create that accountability to say, no, your API request is not a snowflake. And actually, there's a host of APIs that already exist in existence that you can, you can reuse to make your project go faster. What were some of those early aha moments that you created for development teams? You know, the the speed at which our 
our CEO wanted to move at in terms of opening the digital channel uh, and then eventually integrating. Uh, we did a deal with Uber Eats, integrating with Uber Eats. Uh, that speed almost demanded reuse. Uh, so, you know, you could say it's kind of a blessing and a curse. So it was tough to, you know, hit those dates to get it done very quickly. Uh, but everyone knew, right? It was very clear throughout the entire organization. Every function knew uh, what the key priorities were, which made it easier for everyone to look for ways to go faster. Uh, and McDonald's culture used to be very one of perfection. It had to be absolutely perfect before it ran in a restaurant. Uh, and he was successful in changing it such that uh, really, you know, we could get it at 80%, get it into a restaurant and then continue to tweak and, and make it better over time. Uh, so once again, it was a culture change, uh, but that really helped us move a lot, a lot faster. Give us a sense of how the speed changed. So the first time um, you launched the partnership with Uber Eats, how long did that take? And then how long did say the next partnership with maybe a Grubhub take? So um, we had already built the integrations for the mobile channel. So what you had to do when you um, when you have an existing legacy base of restaurant technology, all the product and pricing information resides in that system. And it's different at each restaurant. Uh, so effectively, you need an API to pull that information out of the restaurant up into the cloud and then display it on the mobile app such that you can you know, have a menu for consumers to order. So first, product and pricing information, restaurant location, all that gets displayed. Uh, and then the consumer puts, selects a restaurant, places an order. The order then has to be dropped back into the restaurant systems uh, seamlessly so that it could be then sequenced for when you arrive either at the front counter or the drive through So those APIs were already written. If you think about it, when we went to Uber, you needed the exact same APIs, right? We needed to be able to give Uber our product and pricing information. They then placed an order on their account. Uh, and then once the order was created, they sent it back to us and we dropped it into the restaurant systems, reusing that same API again. So it was six weeks from the time we first started talking to Uber till the first restaurant in the US was running with a fully integrated system. Uh, so we really had never gone at that speed before. Uh, and it was because of reuse. That was the only reason. That's incredible. One of the, the challenges I often hear from customers is, how do I know what's the first API to build for the project? And how do I know I'm building the API that there is the strongest demand for that will get consumed the most across the organization, whether that's internal or external? How did you determine that at McDonald's? It seems like you had a project in mind, and so that made it easier. But beyond that project, how did you figure out that next API to publish? Yeah, it... Um you, you, you can now build an API roadmap, right? So the, the way this theoretically should work and should, you know, you know, could work for you is you have a business strategy that every IT strategy should, should align to, right? So you can't really do IT strategy without understanding where the business was going. And our CEO was great. He had four critical initiatives that he wanted us to pursue. And we literally then customized our IT strategy to align all our initiatives supporting those four business initiatives. So if it wasn't supporting those four, then we shouldn't be doing it. You can and should go one level deeper and say, now as I'm executing that IT strategy, what are the APIs I need to support either first time built or reused? So you can actually create now a roadmap of APIs that support your IT strategy, that effectively support your business strategy. So it's a tiered strategy that, you know, I can see it in my head now how it could work. Now, did I actually do it? Unfortunately, no, because we were going too fast and no one ever has time. But if I had the chance to do it again, that's the way I definitely do it. And that's the beautiful part about your experience is sometimes IT is under so much pressure um, to deliver projects yesterday that 
you're actually robbed of the opportunity to actually set out the strategy, the vision, the blueprint for how the next 18 months will go. But I'm hoping our listeners can benefit from some of your foresight because you've done such an incredible job of rolling out a digital strategy that has changed the way McDonald's has gone to market. I think it's really changed the trajectory of the company. And so it's, it's great for our listeners to benefit from some of your experiences on that. Now, you have built, as a result of this API program, this API strategy, You've actually built an ecosystem uh, of APIs that enables McDonald's developers to self-serve and reuse, but also an ecosystem of external developers, whether that's at Grubhub or Uber Eats or a host of other partners. What should our listeners know about the differences between serving products for an internal ecosystem versus external, if there are any differences? You know, in our case, um, the same APIs that served our internal systems actually benefited us for our external systems. So it worked out quite well. And I don't see cases for us where they we had to differentiate. Uh, so the APIs were going into our legacy portfolio. And, you know, we had a strong legacy portfolio. It was standardized across 120 countries, ran really well. But it was, you know, monolithic client server at the time. Um, so, you know, those APIs are critical to get data in and out of those systems, be it for internal or external applications. So for us, um, we didn't have to differentiate between the two. You touch on something which is legacy systems at a phenomenal scale of 120 countries. There's often a misnomer that CIOs are ripping and replacing old systems. Tell us a, a little bit about how you approach that McDonald's. I know anecdotally, we've talked about using APIs to unlock the data from the systems instead of a rip and replace. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about why you did that and how that's enabled you to actually move faster in the long term? I, yeah, I think eventually we're all going to have to address the technology debt that we have in our legacy portfolio. So, you know, 30, 40 year old systems, you can continue to hang on, uh, but only for so long. But in the short term, when there's these critical business initiatives that you know are going to drive sales, um, waiting for a legacy modernization before you can actually execute the new capability you're building would be silly. Uh, you would give up sales that you can get quicker. So the best way to do it is to leverage those legacy portfolios and to get at them now, APIs make perfect sense, both for you know transactions that you're doing in a digital channel or new analyses you wanna do uh, against disparate data stores, right? Once again, APIs can go in, extract the data from all those databases that are in your legacy portfolio, uh, create a new virtual or physical data lake that allow you to do analyses that you never could do before. So there's just so many benefits that APIs give you immediately to get value or continue to get value from your legacy systems. Uh, and then eventually though, you know, at McDonald's, even we did take a look and started modernizing some of those backend systems where, and it was more for speed, right? You know, because monolithic client server apps, tough to change, you know, generally one release a year. Uh, whereas when you re-architect into microservices, now you can do, you can go much faster. Uh, so I'm not suggesting you never have to modernize. Uh, what I'm suggesting is use APIs immediately before you actually modernize to get the value as soon as possible. That's very helpful, very pragmatic and actionable. So thank you for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about metrics and accountability because IT has traditionally been held accountable to spend. And, and that's, I think, a part of the legacy role that IT has played has been seen more, more as a cost center. As you have driven more of these strategic initiatives at McDonald's, um, how did some of the metrics change in how you and the team were measured by the C-level suite at McDonald's? 
you know, so it was, it was a lot of different ways, you know, spend was one of them. Um, and we were asked to kind of look at ways to become more efficient in terms of our spend. Uh, and it turns out when you look at it strategically, there are a bunch of ways to, you know, be more efficient, you know, be it, you know, consolidation of suppliers, standardization of rate cards, you know, things that you let organically grow without looking at them very closely. Uh, when you, you know, step back after six months, you'll see that, wow, there is opportunity for savings. Uh, so one, I think we do have to be a CIOs fiscally responsible uh, to spend money as most efficiently as we possibly can. Uh, second, though, is then you have to live up to the commitments that you make, right? So, you know, you're getting this gift of capital and G&A that is critical to driving the success of your company. Uh, when you make those commitments, you have to make sure you live up to them, right? Because your credibility, your reputation, all of that is on the line. Uh, and then third, so, you know, you got to do it efficiently. You got to live up to the dates. And then the applications have to perform. Uh, so for us, it was very important to measure the scalability of our applications as they were up and running because our volumes are very high, smaller ticket, but really high volumes. So we then continued to measure the, the performance of those applications over time uh, to ensure that they were meeting our consumers' needs, right? Because a, a bad experience is the quickest way for someone to stop using an app uh, or any capability that you put out into the market. Absolutely. Now, Frank, imagine that we're going to rewind back to 2015. And you are about to start this monumental chapter at McDonald's to digitize the experience. What was an early failure that you had that now in foresight, in hindsight, you would actually go back and do things differently? Uh, so many of them to think of. Uh, you know, one I think is I don't think we did performance testing well enough in the early days. Uh, it was an afterthought because uh, you're so built, busy trying to build the app uh, and get it deployed. You don't really think about performance monitoring and supportability because uh, that's equally as important, right? You can get it out there quick, uh, but we all know that there's going to be bugs and there's going to be issues that, you know, you face that if you don't have the right processes in place uh, to address those, you know, even though you get it deployed, it still may be you know, somewhat of a failure because it's not performing at the level it should be. So I think we probably should have spent more time on uh, performance testing and supportability before deployment. But when you have aggressive dates, what always suffers, right? You test less and you don't worry about support because you just want to get it built and deployed. Uh, so I think that was the biggest one for us. Uh, I think the second lesson for me, even before 15 would have been, I would have brought in expert third parties sooner. I think the transitions we talked about earlier, you know, moving to new tool sets and architecture like MuleSoft, moving to a methodology, new methodology like Agile and DevOps, um, it's so much better when you have people who are helping your team do that migration and transition because it just becomes more real for them. They're not trying to do it on their own. Love that. So think about the user experience, bacon time for testing and bringing the experts. There's right. no reason to reinvent the wheel. Yes. That was much more succinctly said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm learning from you. Very helpful, Frank. We're going to switch gears now and we're going to do a super fun lightning round. And the idea of this is I'll ask you some questions and you answer as quickly as possible. So are you ready, Frank? Yep. Great. What's your favorite API? Uh, so we built this API, I mentioned it earlier, that allowed us to drop an order back into the restaurant. Uh, but it was 
really cool because it actually then sat on the POS waiting for the consumer to cross a geofence. And once you cross the geofence, it would ask you, do you want to go to the front counter drive through? And then it would route the order to those locations. So then you could be sequenced in the order of getting your food at the front counter or at table service uh, or getting the drive through. So it was one of the Honestly, the coolest pieces of technology when you combine the geofence and the order coming down in the cloud and then giving the consumer a choice on how they wanted to get the food. Um, yeah, I'm still excited about that one. It's three years later. That is so cool because not only do you have the choice of what it is that you want to eat, but you actually choose how you want to be served, which exactly. is a luxury that a lot of people don't have. Yeah. And today the options are so many, even in the fast food industry. So yeah. it's amazing what the digital channels have opened up. IPA or APIs? What? <laughs> IPA beer or APIs? <laughs> I guess I don't like IPA, so for me it's APIs then. <laughs> you won't believe the number of CIOs who answer APIs. <laughs> you love your technology uh, definitely more than uh, any beverage. What is your favorite app right now? I don't think I could live without Waze. I don't know. It's just I literally put it on now just because I, it's a habit. I, I could be going to my parents' house to visit them, which I've done a thousand times, uh, but I still put on ways just in case there's a traffic accident or a policeman on the side of the road waiting to give me a ticket. Uh, so I love ways. That's great. What is your go-to publication for news? This is embarrassing, but it's yahoo.com. So <laughs> Wow, you I, must be one of the few avid readers left. I know, I am one of the few. My family teases me constantly because I'm always looking at Yahoo.com. But it's been in my life for 10 years now, I think, so it's That's hard great. to break the habit. What is the most important thing you look for when hiring a candidate? Oh, your attitude. Like, uh, you know, you, you could just tell within the first five minutes whether or not someone's a good cultural fit and if they have the drive that you want. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's the, I always said, if you don't listen to your gut, um, it's a big mistake. And I think in an interview process, your gut tells you within minutes uh, whether the person's the right candidate or not. What is the most valuable piece of career advice you've ever received? Well, once again, so many, so much <laughs> career advice. Um, be more patient. Uh, so I tend to be impatient a lot. Uh, so it's something that I constantly even work on today. Uh, patience. I think I would agree with that. <laughs> It's probably the number one piece of advice I've been given. Oh, to. you too. I thought you meant for me. <laughs> no, not for you. I think personally, uh, I think that that's one that a lot of people can resonate with. Yeah. So this has been incredibly fun. Very helpful. Uh, thank you for spending your afternoon here with us, Frank, especially live here at San Francisco Connect. And uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of this conference. Oh, thank you, Vidya. It's great uh, hanging out with you. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you again to our friends at Salesforce and MuleSoft. MuleSoft just introduced API Community Manager, setting a new standard for successful API strategies. For the first time, companies can easily build connected digital experiences for their API products, empowering anyone to quickly collaborate and co-create value with a broader ecosystem of developers, partners, and employees. Learn more at mulesoft.com platform.